0: Welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. This is 88.9 KCI FM in Irvine, and I am joined again for our weekly segment with uh, Robert Larson from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome back to the show, Robert.
1: Hey, Heather. Always good to be here reporting from these inland regions.
0: The inland regions. Yeah. I mean, that's what you can call it, I guess, because it's not <laughs> its not near the ocean, so I guess it becomes inland. <laughs>
1: They call it the Inland Empire.
0: Yeah, well, one of the weird parts about the Inland Empire, though, is um, that i it's amazing that it isn't part—it's inland from the ocean, but what the Inland Empire is missing is, like, the big skies of, like, Utah and Colorado. I mean, what do you think accounts for that?
1: Well, there's been a lot of development over the last few decades, and there were a lot of wild spaces that are no longer wild, uh, there still are some, which are wonderful and beautiful, but there were these places where it just was open space. There was a, a creek or there was a uh, just a hillside. And then developers start seeing the dollar signs and come in and take something and make it into something else that is... It's sometimes nice, but it's just like we're losing all of our wild spaces. And this is one place where you see it happening so clearly.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite open spaces in Lake Elsinore is actually by the uh, outlet mall. There was like a, it's like a try stop sign. It's like a bone of an intersection and then one of the roads you can choose led off to the dirt and you i mean it was a really big wild dirt path and then last time i was there it's starting to get fenced in and i think that's a really important part of any city uh culture is having open spaces to do what you want to do with well
1: i know just orange county used to be that way in a lot of places i grew up in fullerton and there were a lot of uh, Talking in the uh, late 60s and the 70s, there were a lot of open fields, actual orange groves. That's how we got the name, Orange County. And you could just, as a kid, just wander off into these places and just do whatever and see sort of wildlife, Be a lot of rabbits running around. And uh, you felt that sense of adventure of there's mysterious sort of... wilderness area within the city here and it's just slowly going away and just as it's almost all gone away in orange county i know there still are some places out there but a vast uh, majority of it is gone uh, but yeah now that's happening in the inland empire as well
0: yeah i don't know if you've been out here recently but the um the area that was the airport what a santa Ana, Tustin, um army base that is actually getting turned into development by the city of Tustin. So we're losing that open spot now too. And
1: wasn't, wasn't there talk that that was going to be a park at one time? And
0: that was El Toro. And that's, okay. that's kind of, they're slowly moving their heels on that one. And parts of it are park, but how parts of it are going to be again, uh, home development, which is, I mean, I don't think I would mind so much, you know, if, if, uh, that we expanded out to the Illinois empire, but the way it's working is is that a lot of Orange County residents move there because housing is cheaper, but then we they don't build any infrastructure for that housing, so the 91, the 55, and then any freeway that touches the 55 gets congested with people trying to come home and go to work. And um, I just really wish they can just redevelop parts of Orange County, and then, I mean, we're at the point where we need to have skyscrapers you know of of living and working in orange county but it just doesn't seem like uh that initiative ever wants to get taken
1: (laughs) well you and i have have both seen these plans and there are great uh scientists engineers architects who have the, 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 structures that, that they're buildings where people live and, and they work and they grow food and they have urban gardens on the roofs and coming out of the sides of these buildings and they're amazing things. And they've actually built them in some other places in the world, but it's, uh, you know how it is in corporate America. It's got to turn the quick profit in continuing profits and probably, uh, they, they can't control all the profits in a situation like
0: that. Yeah, it's got to be a closed infrastructure. And then I, it'll, uh, Neil the mouse and I talk a lot about that as far as like the ballparks with everything enclosed as a team makes all the profits. But um, so what are your favorite open spaces that you currently are afraid of uh, getting lost in Inland Empire?
1: Well, I, I there are these really wonderful places, the, the uh, Santa Rosa Plateau, that whole area, Tanaha Falls, the uh, Santa Margarita River, and as far as I know, there aren't any uh, attempts you know, that have any uh, real chance of succeeding at this moment to, to encroach on those. They're, they're pretty strict as far as the, the designation of these places as wild areas. And uh, so, so that that's good. But I mean, I, I can see developers would the, the first chance they get if the the people, the government, whatever, are not vigilant about uh, keeping these regulations in place. That no, these need to be wild areas. And you know, I would encourage anybody to go to these wild places and and check them out and see their beauty and become somebody who is going to be vigilant about. Uh, protecting these places.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the more annoying things is it seems like lately our preservation efforts, it's like, Oh, you know, we have national parks, but then we don't take care of spaces that we use and breathe in and live in every single day.
1: Yeah, I, I know it's, it's people are not well informed and they don't, they don't understand it. I mean, People, just in political activism in general, you and I have talked about this, other people are so busy. People are just trying to get by and, uh, tra- you know, working two and three jobs or trying to find a job to get by and to then have extra time to, well, I'm going to work on protecting this wild space. Uh, it's, just, it's not always there, the time for it.
0: Yeah, it's asking a lot of somebody that doesn't have a lot of time to begin with, so... Um, so we were talking last week about Lake Elsinore and uh, different things within Lake Elsinore. You said that there, you found a lost boat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm <laughs> growing more fond of Lake Elsinore as time goes by. It's a weird place. I mean, it's. Uh, as you and anybody who's regularly listened to me knows, I'm a big fan of the the Salton Sea because it's this weird place that has a lot of abandoned. <laughs> structures and lost vehicles, and I'm finding out Lake Elsinore has some of that going on as well, not to quite the degree, but it's, uh, once you start reading about it, you find these places, and today, in the uh, inland uh, Southern California's newspaper, the Press Enterprise, there was a front page article about a boat, a large boat that's kind of sitting there abandoned, and it looks like a uh, river paddle boat and it's really strange. It's quite large, and it's just kind of stuck in the mud, and, and the article goes into what's going on with it, and it was a boat that was at one time owned by uh, William Wrigley, the uh, chewing gum magnate and owner of the Chicago Cubs and all that, Wrigley um, Field, you know, yeah. but he uh, he owned it at one time, and it was, it was used out at uh, Catalina Island, and they would give people uh, tours, and it was known as the glass bottom boat. I, they had There was part of the boat that was this transparent uh, uh, glass and they had lights under it so you could see all of this uh, stuff uh, down in the ocean there as it was touring around. Uh, and then it, it sat abandoned in Long Beach Harbor for a while. They quit doing those tours at Catalina. And some guy bought it and brought it out to Lake Elsinore with the intent of doing tours around Lake Elsinore. Not as Beautiful as Catalina.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you. I thought Lake Elsinore was landlocked. How did the boat get there? But you answered that.
1: Yeah, they, they brought it out on on trucks, and uh, uh, actually they said it cost them eighty seven thousand dollars to uh, bring it from Long Beach uh, wow. to Elsinore. I was kind of thinking it might even be more than that because the those trucks. But anyway, they brought it out here to Lake Elsinore, and we're going to do tours. Which, uh, you know, there are a lot of historical things around Lake Elsinore, it would be an interesting tour, but then all of the red tape and everything came into place and they didn't realize how much money it was going to cost, that they, all the insurance fees that the city was imposing and the, uh, they had to put in handicap access and all, and they just didn't quite have the money, so it's been sitting for about 10 years kind of stuck in mud and really rotting away and looking kind of strange and surreal. And uh, but now there's a preservation group that's trying to raise a million dollars to fix it all up and uh, get it going as doing their original plan tours of the lake or to make it just as some kind of museum, and it's a pretty interesting boat. It's something you just would not expect to see on Lake Elsinore because it's not a very big lake, and this is a pretty big like river paddle boat, and looks like one of those classic like a
0: steam engine or
1: like those Mississippi River boats. Yeah, looks okay. Like- and it's uh quite i don't know two-story and everything it's a pretty big boat so uh, i'm going to try to make a trip down there and have a look see for myself and uh, see if i uh maybe uh can get involved in trying to get that thing restored i think it would be fun to have
0: i would love to go on that cruise it sounds like a hill episode in the making Exactly.
1: And in a certain sense, it'd be cool if they don't uh, rescue it uh, and it just sits there a while. But uh, they're saying if they don't rescue it soon, that it it might get turned into firewood. So I don't want that to happen.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty terrible. Um, Yeah, about Charles Wrigley, I don't think a lot of people realize that he owned quite a bit of land on Catalina Island, including a horse ranch. And then uh, the Chicago Cubs actually played spring training out there a couple of times.
1: Um, yeah, he, he was uh, quite a guy with a lot of money, and you, know, you can do a lot of interesting things and you have money like that, and it, it seemed that it wasn't all about um, these sort of uh, captains of industry like we have now. It was He, he kind of did some interesting things that we all kind of liked.
0: Yeah, so, um, well, thanks for the report from the other side of the London Empire, Robert, and we'll speak to you next week.
1: Thank you. Always good to do it.
0: All right, this is The Heather McCoy Show.